Welkom. De uitbraak van het coronavirus heeft de gezondheidszorg flink opgeschud en ook de wereld van de zorg in het algemeen. Het raakt de infrastructuur van ziekenhuizen, het diagnosticeren van patiënten, het uitvoeren van klinische studies en ook de o zo belangrijke zoektocht naar een coronamedicijn en een vaccin daarvoor. Volgens onderzoeksbureau IDC breekt er een nieuw tijdperk aan in de medische industrie. Maar tot op welke hoogte zal de gezondheidszorg onze kijk op de gezondheid permanent gaan veranderen? Straks als corona weer een beetje naar de achtergrond is verdwenen. Daarover ga ik het hebben in deze podcast. Mijn naam is Tom Jess en ik praat erover met Lydia Houweter. Als senior investment manager bij themabelegger Pictet Asset Management. Houdt zij zich bezig met de strategieën, gezondheid en biotechnologie. En dit is de tweede podcast van Pictet Asset Management over dit onderwerp. De eerste vind je op fondsnieuws.nl slash podcasts. Okay, Lydia, let's start with tech companies. Because uh, for a long time, for example, uh, tech companies are very interesting uh, for investors. Um, now, healthcare and health is also uh, in the spotlights uh, because of the news, because of the, the crisis. How um, safe is the healthcare for investors? Can you say something about that? So it's definitely a defensive segment. Um, we've we've known that from past crises as well, because obviously the the demand is very acyclical. You you're always gonna have to have your medicines, your drugs. You're always gonna have to have your treatments. So in that sense, it is a defensive space, and I, I understand why people flock to it. Um, but the, on top of that, it's obviously it's a health crisis, so people are looking for health stocks to to find a solution to it. So what we see in, in, in certain areas, we see um, bubbles forming around certain um, corona-related stocks. Um, and, and I would just caution people to, to speculate too much on these individual stocks, because some of them, they remind me more of Bitcoin than of actual equities. So it's, uh, it's quite interesting to watch. So there's a disconnect in, in the valuations and the actual underlying economic reality, because Let's face it, a lot of these companies are, are donating these drugs or are, are giving these vaccines at a very low cost. So they're not going to make a huge profit. And also, it's not necessarily recurring revenue that comes year after year after year. But we don't know yet. But um, the economic reality of this corona solution may not be as big as investors are seeming to bet on. So as a professional investor, you need to be quite um, opportunistic And, and look at valuations, take profits where you have this kind of hype uh, around some of these corona-related um, names. And then also um, see if there is any dislocation in the market for, for some names that have been underperforming but actually have good value there. So I think for an active investor, it's a good time to pick stocks. Okay, and um, uh, in general, what are the uncertainties in the world of uh, healthcare uh, to investors? Yeah, so um, you have certain different aspects, I would say. For example, in, in the medtech um, space, you have a lot of these elective surgeries that have been postponed and, and um, many companies do make their value on these elective surgeries. So here it's all about the, the dynamics of these surgeries coming back. Um, there is some that are really elective, so you don't really need to do it. People still do it. Sometimes, sometimes it's cosmetic. Sometimes it's like a minor thing. But some surgeries are actually 
not essential to do it right now, but you need to do it at some point. So you need to fix your heart at some point. And so there we will probably have some catch up demand where people have to do more than 100% capacity to, to catch up with everybody who needed that heart surgery before, but had to postpone it due to COVID-19. So I think there it's all about how fast is the stuff gonna come back? Is it a V-shape? Is it a U-shape recovery? Um, and then for for like the pharmaceutical space, so biotech and pharma, it's all about clinical trials and um, potential delays for clinical trials. Because here um, we've seen companies already talk about um, not being able to enroll, so find new patients for some of their trials and therefore having to postpone the readouts. Um, so that's something we, we, we're looking at in terms of uh, especially in the smaller companies that maybe don't have that much cash, how how long is their cash gonna last until the readouts, or do they have like some financing issues that they run into? Um, so that's that's mainly for the pharmaceutical space. Then on the insurance side, um, you'll probably have some changes in who is insured by whom, especially in the United States. Um, it's a it's a very complex system, but. In the, in the US, people are mainly insured through their employers. And with so many people losing their jobs, they're also losing that health insurance. So there it's, it's going to be a, a reallocation of, of uh, health insurance paid for an employer to the government. So, so these people are probably going to have to be insured through the government, through the program for poor people. Um, and there, different insurance companies are set up to do that work for the government. Others are going to lose revenue. So it's it's a bit um, a dynamic field at the moment. Okay. Uh, we talked a lot about companies, but how important is uh, the influence of uh, authorities on uh, uh, this story for investors? Because they can give, uh, for example, a permission to uh, for a medicine or something like that to uh, go to the market. Yeah, absolutely. So the regulators are quite important, um, but they're also very lenient. So we have seen, um, for example, the FDA, but also the European regulators um, who regulate drugs over the years being quite innovative in how they review drugs and how fast they can approve drugs. So there, um, the collaboration between the regulators and companies has been um, much better over the last five years, I would say. Um, you also have a lot of programs that allow for accelerated review periods. So if it's like a very uh, severe disease that doesn't have a treatment, you, you can have a very fast approval process. And that has obviously sped up in this crisis because um, everybody wants a therapeutic to get to market. And you've seen with Gilead, I mean, they had a record time to, to get approval for, for their remdesivir, for the drug um, to treat coronavirus. So I think... Um, Everybody is on the same side here and everybody wants to have an effective and safe treatment or vaccine for this disease. Has the coronavirus changed your outlook for health? Um, not really. I think, I think we're in a, in a phase or we have been in a phase um, actually since 2015 where we're looking at some kind of healthcare reform that is going to happen in the United States. And and you'll notice I, I focus a lot on, on the US, but this is the biggest market for healthcare in general. Um, it's just like that. And um, so I think 
it'll probably happen sooner than later, especially if we get a democratic president um, going forward. But it's probably also going to be less bad than people think. Um, because, I mean, honestly, what we need to do is we need to fix um, the access problem in the, in the United States um, to, to healthcare. Um, at the moment, you have several issues to access to medicine, and it's financial mainly. So on the government side, people have to pay a large chunk. Um, it's around 5,000 bucks or more out of their own pockets in terms of getting a medicine. So every January, that's when the, the hole starts again, they have to pay a large chunk of the medical cost out of pocket. Um, that prices a lot of people out of healthcare or out of their drugs. So they're basically just not taking their drugs. And even if pharmaceutical companies were to have the price, they still couldn't afford it because it's still too high. So that part, the self-paying part in the government side, that needs to be fixed. And there's already some um, proposals, bipartisan proposals um, that have been talked about um, on fixing that and moving that, that self-paying part so, so that the pharma company can pay part of that and the government can pay part of that. On the employer side, so on people who are insured by their employer have the same issue because what has happened there is that employers, they want less um, insurance premiums to pay. So what they do is they have this high deductible plans. What that means is that you have a deductible, a self-paying part in the beginning of your insurance that the employee, when they get sick, needs to cover. But the insurer is saving on premiums. So basically you're moving the cost away from the insurer to the patient. Again, that price some people out of health, of consuming healthcare. And in the end, it's, it's, it's a basically um, everybody loses. So if you take an example for a patient with diabetes, if they are not controlled in their blood sugar, what happens over time is they get um, necrosis. So some of their tissues that they have to have amputations, they go blind, you have disability. So there's a lot of costs down the road. So just getting somebody to take their insulin saves you so much money down the road. And there is just this, this disconnect on outcomes and how people make money at the moment. And that needs to be fixed. And I think um, there is some initiatives that will going to, to do that. And in the end, who will win is, is companies that add value to the system. So they have, um, let's say, better therapies. They have less side effects, less hospital costs. And that's always the, the kind of companies that we're focusing on. So in that sense, it's not changed our outlook at all. It's really finding these players who truly add value to the system. Yeah. And you, men you mentioned the United States is the most important market. That's for now. But when you look to the future, there is a lot of uh, potential in Asia also uh, on the health market, uh, do you see a change in the coming years? Well, you see emerging markets being a bigger chunk of some of the revenues for some pharmaceutical companies and and healthcare companies. Um, in which countries? I don't. Well, you see China, but you also see, um, t in certain degrees, you see Brazil, Russia to to play a role because it's a lot of people. Um, I don't think they'll ever be as fed a market as the United States, because the, let's face it, the prices in the US are sometimes 100% 
higher than prices in Europe, for example. So I think they're, they're never going to be as um, expensive a market as the United States. But I mean, it's it's a volume question in the end. So you 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 get enough volume from these geography, it adds up. Um, so definitely. Yeah. Health is also so much more than only drugs. Can you tell us something about how much companies are involved uh, and are also in, uh, interesting for uh, investors uh, because there are a lot of uh, companies uh, involved involved in the in the healthcare system. Yeah. Um, so so we look at health even broader than healthcare because to us um, so for our health strategy we think that one important aspect that is very small now but that will be much more important in the future is actually prevention. Because that's your biggest ROI is if you prevent um, disease from happening in the first place. Because everything else is you're just running behind the problem and try to fix it. Um, and so here it's it's a lot of companies that are actually in the more in the consumer discretionary space. So it's um, healthy activities, um, being active. It, it's good nutrition, having healthy foods. Um, and there we have a lot of companies. So around 40% of our portfolio is actually that part of, of the segment. Uh, it, it's the prevention side. And you ca- call um, it health. Yeah, that's why we call it health. Because we think health is really more than healthcare. And and one concept that we kind of use to guide us is um, this concept of health span. So if you look at a, a person's life, so you have the lifespan. But... Typically, what you see is that the first, say, 50, 60 years, people are generally in quite good health. So they may break an arm, then they the heals again and they're fine again. And um, at some point, these age-related diseases start to creep up. So it's it can be your diabetes, your heart disease, um, as dementia, etc. And this span in the end is the majority of the spending in healthcare is really on these last couple of years. Um, it really goes through the roof in the last couple of years. So if you can lengthen this span of general health, let's say the first 70 years, you're saving so much cost down the road. And I think also you, you're adding quality of life generally for the population which then will also have an economic benefit um, down the road. So I think prevention is, is without a doubt, the, the biggest impact we can have as investors if we, if we um, fund companies that are doing good work in that aspect. Okay, and which companies are involved uh, in that part of uh, the market? So some of them are um, unexpected. Um, for example, we have a salmon farm that is in the portfolio. And um, that salmon farm has some of the the best salmon in terms of fish quality. So it's the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio that basically tells you how healthy the salmon is for your heart. And they have that because they're in a geographical location that enables them to to have a very good fish um, or a very low fish mortality. They don't have to use chemicals, etc. That gives a high quality product. And here, um, that's part of the portfolio because there is actually a scientific link 
between eating fish um, more than once a week and cardiovascular disease. There's been a huge study with over 40,000 people um, whom they tracked over time and they could show that um, eating fish more than once a week reduces cardiovascular um, disease by 15%. So we, we kind of look for those kind of scientific links to include companies in our portfolio. Um, we also have some active lifestyle companies in there. So for example, Shimano is in the portfolio who do the does bike parts basically. So that's a company that we think is quite pure in terms of the their um, exposure to health because the, the product is directly, I mean, you as a Dutch person, you know that but it's directly linked to physical activity, right? Um, so that's a very high purity company that we, we have in there. Um, one that is in the universe, but not in the portfolio is, for example, Nike. And Nike is not a very pure company for us because just because you have a pair of Nike trainers doesn't mean you're going to go running with it. So we have kind of this, this fashion discount that we use. And therefore, that's probably not that one that's qualifying for the portfolio because the link is not um, direct enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's funny because that are not typical health companies. Like when exactly. I think of Nike, then I think uh, sports, uh, shoes, that kind of stuff and not health. Exactly. So that's why it's not direct enough to be in the portfolio. But then we also have uh, things like hygiene. And actually, those are some of our best performers year to date. Uh, is, is, for example, Clorox, who do disinfectant uh, products. They also have some other products, but the, the main um, products is disinfectants for household, but also hospital settings. And uh, obviously, the demand is going through the roof. So the, this kind of broader um, look at health helps us a bit to to diversify um, also just not just healthcare but to this broader segment that is linked to this to this growing trend of people focusing more on their health and actually taking health prevention more seriously so a lot of uh, opportunities when you look to the uh, corona crisis which uh, investment opportunities uh, do you see um well, it's really kind of finding these um, market dislocations on valuation. So I, I probably wouldn't jump on all these companies being involved in Corona right now because they have already had their run and some of the valuations are, are quite rich. But on some other companies that maybe had some setbacks uh, because people think, oh, it's a consumer driven company, but actually the numbers don't look so bad. Um, there we have seen uh, some opportunities to add to the portfolio. So I think it's it's quite company specific, um, but you always have to have this valuation in mind um, when you look at where the company is right now in time and on the market. Mm -hmm. You talked also a lot with other investors. So uh, when you uh, look to the conversations, how important are investors thinking is held now, but also in the future? Um, so for, for generalists, um, there is a lot of interest right now in anything related to health. And you've, you've seen that in, especially in biotech, the performance has been, uh, very, very strong. The flows are very strong. So people are really focusing on this now. And part of it, as we said, is it's, it's quite offensive space. Um, but also to some extent, people are waking up to this very interesting field again and, 
it is it is so much more interesting to, than just corona actually because there's been over the last couple of years so many technological developments that people have just ignored because they always thought about Hillary Clinton's tweet on drug pricing and that kind of being this whole Damocles sword. But now suddenly that's poofed away and it's gone and people are in- interested in in the segment again. And I think it's a positive thing because it's there's so much innovation going yeah. on. What What is the best time to invest in health companies? Is it now uh, or uh, is it better to wait a couple of weeks, maybe months when the crisis is a little bit over maybe? So I'm I'm not, I'm not a market timer, just putting that out there. But generally what I, I, I tell people is to average out over time because you're you're not going to catch the peak, you're not going to catch the bottom. So just average out your, your buying pattern over time will get, get you a good um, entry point. And in the end, you need to have a, a kind of a longer time horizon. And this really is a, a segment with fundamental growth that is driven by innovation that is not going to go away. And I think that's that's really scarcity of value in today's world. So I think uh, probably averaging out is not a bad idea. So it's not too late to invest now? No, not at all. Pictet uh, Asset Management has a lot of opportunities uh, on the field of health and healthcare. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So we have two products that are kind of specialized on this on this area. You have one that is quite broad, which is called Pick the Health. And here it's really, um, you have a part of it that is healthcare, around 60% of it, but 40% of the portfolio is is even broader than just healthcare. So we look at things like preventing disease, so preserving health. Um, we look at things, how to finance healthcare better by um, increasing healthcare efficiency through, for example, digital health companies, um, so through technology. Um, so it's a bit of a broader strategy. And then we also have Pick the Biotech, which is basically zooming in on the therapeutic aspect. So this is um, a more, let's say, a bit more aggressive in style because biotech is quite an aggressive field in terms of the, the volatility that you sometimes see. It's very idiosyncratic as well. So it's not link. It's a very low correlation to the general market. But um, it, it can be a volatile segment. But nevertheless, this is where we see a lot of innovation and growth happening. So we have this specialized product that's called Pictet Biotech that just focuses on this therapeutics aspect of it. Yeah. So there are a lot of uh, opportunities and also a lot of chances for investors. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. U luisterde naar een podcast van Pictet Asset Management over thematisch beleggen. Dank aan Lydia Houwetter, Senior Investment Manager bij Pictet Asset Management. Als u meer wilt weten over thematisch beleggen of specifiek over beleggen in het thema health of biotech, kijk dan op onze site Pictet Asset Management Nederland www.am.pictet.nl Of luister naar de eerste podcast van Pictet over dit onderwerp. Je vindt hem op fondsnieuws.nl slash podcasts. Deze podcast is gepubliceerd door Pictet Asset Management. De informatie en gegevens die in deze podcast worden gepresenteerd, mogen niet worden beschouwd als een aanbod of een verzoek om effecten of financiële instrumenten te kopen, te verkopen of erop in te schrijven. Ga voor meer informatie naar onze website am.pictet.